Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me. And I say often on Friday, hey, it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. So I hope that you will consider worshiping with me at Hickory Ridge Community Church, 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, We are so excited about what the Lord has done. We just dedicated an 8,500 square foot building for our children's ministry, for our academy, for our early learning center. And uh, we're calling it the ARK, A-R-K, which stands for Always Reaching Kids. And then we just recently repaved our parking lot and going to be adding additional overflow parking. Just so excited about all that the Lord is doing. Well, thank you for joining me today on this Friday broadcast as we look at the subject of why is it so hard to obey? Well, I think one of the reasons it's so hard to obey is because many easily lose their hope in Christ. You know, Josh Whedon, he was the one who created and and he was the intelligent screenwriter and producer for what has become now famous for films like Toy Story and The Avengers. Well, he was interviewed one time by Entertainment Weekly, and Whedon was asked if he had hope in the human race. And he says, is there any hope that we're getting smarter and better? And this is what he said. I actually think we're becoming stupider and more petty. Now, this guy, by no stretch of the imagination, is a believer. But he says, I think we're becoming stupider and more petty. What's going on in this country, and in many countries, is beyond depressing. It's terrifying. Sometimes I have to remember who I'm talking to. I'll say something about how terrible things are and meaninglessness, and the world is headed toward destruction and war and apocalypse. And at one point, my daughter goes, hey, I'm eight. She doesn't want to hear that kind of stuff, but I can't believe anybody thinks we're actually going to make it before we destroy the planet. I honestly think it's inevitable. I have no hope. I want to be wrong more than anything. I hate to say it. It's that line from the Lord of the Rings. I give hope to men. I keep none for myself. What a sad commentary of where Mr. Wedden thinks that we are as a people. But I think there's some truth to what he says. I think that so many people have lost hope. I think many believers have lost hope. And as a result, it is so difficult for us to obey the commands of the Lord. Uh, Let me give you a summary of where we've been so far in the broadcast. We learned, first of all, that it's difficult to obey the Lord and follow His commands because we tend to be fickle in our love. We might love Him on Sunday morning, but then have nothing to do with Him on Monday morning. Uh, We tend to be very fickle. So if we can shore up our love relationship with the Lord, obeying will be much easier. Uh, Sometimes obeying is difficult because we don't have that right thought process. We're not capturing our thoughts and making them obedient to Christ. So our thinking can be faulty. Number three, the reason it can be difficult to obey the Lord is because we sometimes drive our lives with our fears. And our fears can be fatal. It is possible to be scared to death. And I think many Christians are driven with fear today. Fearful of the future. Fearful of the economy. Fearful of what is happening in the political realm. Listen, God has not given us that spirit of fear. If you are driven by fear, you're going to have an awful hard time obeying the commands of Christ. Well, then we learn, fourthly, 
that our hopes can be fleeting. You know, as I think about diminished hopes, hopes that used to be solid, now are fleeting. I want to remind you what Paul said. We should hold firmly to the hope that we have confessed because we can trust God to do what he has promised. My hope is not in myself. My hope is not in other people. My hope is in Christ and in Christ alone because what he has said he's going to do, what he has promised to do, I can trust that he will do it. And number five, uh, it can be difficult for us to obey the commands of Christ because our feelings are ferocious. We should be living above our feelings, recognizing that feelings are neither good nor bad, but we don't drive our lives through feelings. John 14, Jesus said, I have spoken this to you. He said, while I'm still with you, and he's talking to his disciples. But then he says, the advocate, who's the advocate? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything that I have said to you. So Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us today and that we will be clean indeed, not just feeling clean, but being clean, being made new in what Christ has done for us. Well, there's a book that is entitled, Start With a Why. In this book, written by Simon Sinek, discusses the importance of motivation. And it's a very interesting section of the book, and it's entitled, It's What You Can See That Matters. So he's entitled this chapter, What You See Really Matters. Well, detergent advertisers once would promote their products with statements like, it gets your whites whiter or your brights brighter. You remember those days uh, when they would advertise washing powders and, and that's what they would say. It gets your whites whiter and your brights brighter. Well, that's what the market research revealed customers wanted. But was it really? And this is what they've discovered. Well, the the data was true, but the truth of what people wanted was different. The makers of laundry detergent asked the consumers what they wanted from detergent. And consumers always said, white, whites, brighter, brights. So the brands attempted to differentiate how they could get whites whiter and brights brighter by trying to convince consumers that one additive was more effective than the other. No one asked the question as to why they wanted their clothes clean. Well, later a group discovered that this approach really wasn't driving buying decisions. They observed that when people took their laundry out of the dryer, nobody held it up to the light to see how white it was, and nobody held it up to the light to see how bright it was. The very first thing that people did was they smelled their laundry. So they concluded, this was an amazing discovery. Feeling clean, smelling clean, was more important to people than being clean. Now I wonder if that's how many believers are today. We want to appear a certain way. We want to feel a certain way. We want to smell a certain way. But do we really want to be clean? Do we really want to be pure in the eyes of God? 
You see, if we are driven by the mindset that we just want to have the feeling that we're clean and not being truly clean, then it's going to be very difficult for us to obey the commands of the Lord. Those commands are all going to become very burdensome to us because we're seeking a feeling rather than the fact of Christ making us pure and making us clean. Well, there's a sixth reason why it is so difficult to obey the commands of Christ. And number six is that our minds tend to be forgetful. Did you know the average adult loses nine items a day? Most of us regularly lose things like keys and wallets and TV remotes and glasses and phones. And and just even today, as I was coming to record this broadcast, I couldn't find my wallet. And so it took me a couple of minutes uh, to retrace my steps. And then I realized, oh, oh, I left my wallet in my vehicle last night. I got home very late last night. And I said, well, I'm going to leave this here because I'm going to be leaving in early in the morning and, and locked the door and left my wallet. Well, I forgot overnight uh, that I left my wallet there in my vehicle. Now, now some people, according to this study, are, are more prone to misplacing things than others. Now, it's not surprising that men are twice as likely to lose their phones than women. One study concluded that the average person misplaces nine things a day and spends an average of 15 minutes looking for lost items. Why does this happen? What is the psychology and the science behind it? Well, it comes down to a breakdown of attention and memory. When we misplace our belongings, we fail to activate the part of our brain responsible for encoding what we're doing. The part of our brain that is responsible for taking that snapshot and preserving that memory has a set of neurons that will be activated later. So when we lose things, uh, when we, uh, we don't have a clear reference point of when or where we put down objects like our keys or our glasses. One of the ways we can improve our memory is through practicing mindfulness. We do this by stepping back, calming our thoughts, focusing on being present at the moment. In other words, we tend to forget things, like when we just cast something aside and go on. If we would take just a moment and say, okay, I'm going to remind myself that I'm leaving my wallet here in my vehicle. Instead, we just throw it in the vehicle and leave, and and we think nothing else again about it. If we can remember and make mindfulness of that, there's a great way to understand this point, right? Because our minds forget what God has done for us, we tend to look at his commands as burdensome. Now, there's an interesting psalm that deals with this matter of forgetfulness. Psalm 49, 15, can a woman forget the baby she nurses? Now, the answer is obvious. Well, no, she can't. How could could a woman forget the baby she nurses? Can she feel no kindness for the child to which she gave birth? Even if she could forget their child, the psalmist says, God will not forget you. Now, it's possible for a woman to forget her baby, right? Or a man to forget his baby. Either way, that's why we think about babies being left in a locked vehicle. How in the world could that happen, right? So it's possible that you forget. We're all forgetful from time to time. But God will not forget you. If you can drive home the point 
that God is thinking about you right now. He's not going to forget you. He hasn't forgotten you in your time of need. You're going through a difficult time right now, and you feel like, man, God has forgotten me. He doesn't know what's going on in my life. He doesn't care what's going on in my life. Listen, don't buy into that lie. He will not forget you. Hebrews 6.10 says that God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. He's not going to forget the love that you showed for him, for his name, when you serve the saints, and you will continue to serve him. God remembers everything that you've done to serve other people. He hasn't forgotten about it. He doesn't have amnesia. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust you. You know, if you remember what you should forget, you will forget what you should remember. Let me repeat that. If you remember what you should forget, you will forget what you should remember. Why? Because your mind is wrongly focused. It wreaks havoc on your memory. So I want you to focus on the things that you should. Forget the things that you should forget. You don't forget something by constantly regurgitating it. You don't say, I'm going to make a point that I forget about that offense. I'm going to make a point that I forget about that offense. By regurgitating that offense, you're not forgetting it. How do you forget something? You choose not to think about it. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world does. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. You heard me say that I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to my Father. The Father is greater than I. Jesus reminds us of his peace. When I focus on Christ, I think about Christ, I am a recipient of his peace. It's not like the world gives us peace. That peace is based upon circumstances. When I focus on Christ, even in the most difficult times of my life, I experience peace. When I choose not to focus on Christ, I can have even the most calm situation in life, but yet be out of peace. Peace has nothing to do with my circumstances. It has everything to do with where I choose to focus. I focus on Christ. I experience that peace that the world cannot give. My heart is not troubled. My heart is not afraid because I'm trusting in him. Todd Gilton was one of the leading thinkers on media and our lives. He recently said, the torrent of images and songs and stories streaming has become our familiar world. This torrent of information, right? This torrent determines what we see and what we don't, what we think about and what never enters our mind. The media that we watch every day has been shaping us for years, whether we know it or not. For example, think of MTV. As MTV's founding chairman, Bob Pittman, stated in a 1982 interview, he said this, way back in 1982, if you can get their emotions going, make them forget their logic, you've got them. At MTV, we don't shoot for the 14-year-olds. We already own them. You think about the TV show Friends, which ran for 10 years between 1994 and 2004. It's now one of the most popular shows in syndication. Funny, right? 
but not innocent. A survey of all 236 episodes of the NBC sitcom found that the characters had a total of 85 sexual partners. And that's only counting those who appeared on the screen. What does this do to us? More than we realize. What the media does is normalize things. If you see likable characters on TV having sex outside of marriage enough times, it becomes not only acceptable, but desirable. That's why Fred Fedler, author of one of the most widely used college textbooks on mass media, writes these words. The media may constitute the most powerful education system ever known to man. Where are you focusing your attention? If you're focusing your attention on the media, you are going to discover that your mind becomes forgetful to spiritual things because it's being replaced with the media, with the things of the world. Well, I've got one more point I've got to cover, but let me quickly review where we have gone so far. We have learned that it is very difficult to follow the commands of Christ consistently because our love is fickle. We've learned that it's been difficult to obey the commands of Christ because sometimes our thinking can be faulty. Sometimes we're thinking things that are not so. Number three, we've learned that our fears can be fatal. If we're driven by the fears of our lives, the commands of Christ are going to be seeming to be unreasonable. And then we learned that it's sometimes difficult to obey the commands of Christ because our hopes are fleeting. Maybe our hope's in the wrong thing. And then number six, we learned that our feelings are ferocious. And those feelings can cause us to go on a wrong direction. And our minds tend to forget things. Lastly, as we close out our Friday broadcast, we are reminded that we should not forget things. And by focusing our hearts, because our hearts can be frantic. Life can be crazy. In Acts 3.19, it says, so you must change your hearts and your lives. Come back to God, and he will forgive your sins. Then the Lord will send you a time of rest. Many of us are so busy and so stressed out uh, that we have concluded that we don't have time for the things of the Lord. You know, we can stress out about things that never come to pass. In the presence of God, you find forgiveness. You find a time of rest. Even when it's chaotic, He gives us rest. In Deuteronomy 31 and 8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He'll be with you. He'll not leave you. He'll not forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. God goes before us. God is with us. And God never leaves us. You know, when I think about how we tend to forget how God has intervened in our lives, we lose that peace. Jesus says, I want to give you this peace. But you can't be living so frantically that you can't even stop to experience that peace. The Lord is going before us. The Lord is with us, and he will never leave us. Now, as I think about this subject, I'm not talking about a legalistic relationship with God, and a legalistic relationship with the church, you know, that can become deadly. 
There's a Pharisaical legalism that can be pictured in in so many of our lives, and and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. As a 15-year-old African-American boy in Chicago pointed out, one spring evening in May of 1998, Christopher Searcy was playing basketball with a few friends uh, a half a block from Ravenswood Hospital. Three teenagers were part of a Latino gang, and they were looking to target somebody. And there they found this young Searcy, and they attacked him. His frantic friends were there within 30 feet of him and, and rushed him to the hospital for, to give him the help that he needed. In the emergency room, personnel refused to go outside. They didn't want to assist this boy that was dying. And they were citing a policy that only allows them to help those who are inside the hospital. The boys called for a nearby police to attend to their wounded friend. And, and when the officers arrived on the scene, they, they proceeded to call for an ambulance, but refused to carry the boy inside. Well, passerbyers pleaded with the officers to get the boy into the hospital. He lay in a pool of blood unconscious. When after several minutes, the ambulance had not yet arrived, the police gave in and, and carried seriously into the emergency room. By then, nothing could be done to save his life. As is often true, when we legalistically insist on the letter of the law, the needs of others can often be overlooked by holding to a standard operating procedure. The royal law of love was penned to the mat. Initially, hospital administrators defended the ER's lack of involvement. Only after a barrage of community outrage was the hospital held responsible. You know, Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You give a tenth, but you neglect the more important matters of law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. I want to encourage you on this Friday afternoon, don't let legalism get its claws into you. Realize that that we're not called to a legalistic relationship with the Lord. We're called to carry out the Great Commission and the Great Command. The Great Command is to go out there and, and share the gospel wherever we go. Going out, carrying out Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And the Great Command is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Being a blessing to somebody. Well, you know, it's Friday afternoon. Uh, what are your plans for this weekend? I hope that your plans include worshiping the Lord. Being in a place where you can worship with other believers. And, and don't go alone. Why don't you invite your neighbor? Why don't you invite a co-worker to join you this weekend for worship? You know, somebody one day took the time to invite you to come to church. And as a result of that, uh, you have a relationship with the Lord. You've been born again because somebody took the time to be with you. And somebody took the time to, to share the gospel with you. And your life has been radically changed. You know, I'm so glad, thankful for my Sunday school teacher, a lady by the name of Mrs. Banks. She was my first grade Sunday school teacher. Mrs. Banks is the one who led me to the Lord. Now, I was the type of kid that nobody wanted in the class, and I, I kind of get that. I was a, a poster child for ADHD uh, before we knew what it was, and I was a rambunctious young guy, And uh, but Mrs. Banks saw something in me. She spent time with me. She invested in me. 
She loved me uh, even when I was the most unlovable student in her class. It was Mrs. Banks who took John 3.16 and read that verse to me like this. For God so loved Calvin that he gave his only begotten son, that if Calvin should believe in him, Calvin should not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe today uh, you need to put your name in there, that God loved you that much, that if you believe in him, you will experience everlasting life. Well, I want to pray for you today, and maybe I can pray for you specifically, okay? If you want a specific answer to a prayer, you have to pray specifically. Shoot me a text with your prayer concerns, 252-267-2365. I'd be honored to pray for you, to lift you up. So Lord, I pray for the one listening to this broadcast right now, that your Spirit of God will reach across the airwaves, across the podcast, across the broadcast, Touch the heart of the one that is listening right now, and we're going to give you the praise for it, that you are doing what only you can do, the work of bringing about conversion, the work about giving peace that passes all understanding. So, Lord, thank you for being with us this entire week as we have put this broadcast out. You're a good God. You're a mighty God. You're a powerful God. We praise God from whom all blessings flow. Give us an incredible weekend. Allow us to serve you. Allow us to get the rest that we need so we can come back ready to serve you again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557 or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.